0: Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this 2019 speech before a group of Convention of State's volunteers in Kentucky, Senator Tom Coburn shares why he makes sacrifices for the movement. I thank you, everybody, for braving me. The elements today, this is supposed to be outside, the rotunda was supposed to be uh, taken up so the weather canceled that event and so what a magnificent place to be, magnificent people. I really thank you for everything that you do uh, from the bottom of my heart and with that I'd like to turn it over to Senator Coburn and I'm sure you'll be duly inspired. Well, don't be so sure. I'm cold. I'm on blood thinners, and if you know anything about that, you stay cold all the time. So this morning, rather chilly for me, and I left my top coat at home. Uh, let, me, let me echo uh, what was just said about, by Martin. To save a country requires work, and it requires sacrifice. So it requires us to do things beyond what we would normally do. And there hadn't been any representative I've met in the 32 states I was in last year that did not agree with this statement, "Our country's in trouble." And as you go around offices today, that's one of the questions you should ask: is, do you really think we're in trouble? Uh, and let me give you a little background on that. The debt plus the unfunded liabilities for our country right now. the 50-year payback on that is $144 trillion. Now if you take all 85 million millennials, that's anybody 28 years of age and younger, what that means is is their standard of living will decline by $30,000 a year in real dollars. So median family income right now in our country is $60,000, $62,000. So. What we're talking about is what Congress has done, not only in terms of violating what our founders gave us as principles in terms of federalism, but they actually have done generational theft. And I'll tell you why. When when President Bush was running for re-election, the number one, number one issue was prescription drug prices. So what did they do? They passed a prescription drug benefit for seniors which is OK, except they didn't create any tax revenue to pay for it. So everybody 28 years of age and younger is going to pay for the prescription drugs $12 trillion over the next 15 years, $12 trillion over the next 15 years for seniors' drugs. So what the Convention of States is about is honoring the wisdom of our founders because they knew we would find ourselves here. They knew history. Uh, Colonel George Mason stood up. The only thing that Madison says in his notes that was not fiercely debated was when Mason stood up and offered the rights of the people to call a convention of states. It was the only thing that was not debated hotly. And here's what he said. Do you know of any time in history that a government has voluntarily ceded power back to the people, back to the governed? And, of course, it has never occurred, and it still hadn't occurred. But they gave us this wonderful tool called Article 5 that allows us to do it. So our job as people who are patriots and loving our country, others love it they just don't know, or they're so busy trying to get through life making a living that they don't have time to get involved. But our job is to educate our neighbors, educate our legislators, so that we can restore the original intent of the Constitution. We're not talking about a constitutional convention. We're talking about restoring it to what it was intended to be. And so my whole goal in traveling at 70 years of age, 32 states last year, 180,000 miles on airplanes, is to try to get that message out. And the only way we can get it out, the most important people here today is not me. It's you, because when you go and talk to a representative, you're one of their constituents. I'm not. I'm somebody that served. I never served in a state legislature. I served in Congress, and I got to see inside the beast what's wrong. And what we're offering will actually fix it at the federal level. Then it'll be our responsibility to control it at the state level. And we'll move the power that should be at the states back to the states and will limit the growth and overreach and inefficiency of the federal government. So you're the most important people here today. There's not one problem in our country we can't solve, but we have to get the people involved with us. So our whole big plan is to build a grassroots movement of 20 million people. We're at 3.3 million now. We want to get to 20 million people. And the reason it's important is not just to get the resolution passed in the states, but it's to get whatever comes out of a state's amendments convention passed in the states. See, the the work isn't done until we've actually passed and restored the Commerce Clause to its original intent. The work isn't done until we've actually passed and restored fiscal responsibility in Washington. And I'd be for just the balanced budget amendment by itself, except it won't solve our problems. Because every state in the union that has a balanced budget cheats. And Washington's already cheating. So they're still going to cheat when it comes to a balanced budget amendment. So the thing to think about is who you see today. We went and saw your senator. And what he needs to hear is from about 50 or 75 handwritten notes from his constituents, and he'll change his mind. Because his excuse was, well, I hear a lot of people on just the balanced budget amendment. And so he listened about that won't fix it. He agreed it wouldn't fix it. But he's more interested in who he hears from than fixing the problem. So our job is to raise the level of tone in terms of knowledgeable tone about restoring our country to the principles that will allow us to continue to grow and prosper. Every republic in the history of the world has failed. I say to you, we can cheat history. We don't have to fail. And it will be because of we the people, of the people, by the people, for the people, we the people will change things. And you're going to be the ones that do it. So go out, get five people to do exactly what you're doing. Convince them of why it's important. And if you don't have kids, you'll have grandkids, or you'll have nephews or nieces, and think about them. Leave, I want to leave one picture. Any of you ever read Dickens? There's a little boy in Dickens called Tiny Tim. Dirty, dirty hands, hair with lice in it, torn clothes, tattered. Every day he's going out trying to find something to eat. That's what's going to happen to our kids if we don't, and our grandkids, if we don't change things. So my charge to you is, one, thank you for being patriots. But number two, we have a lot of work to do, especially in Kentucky. And we can do it. You can do it. If everybody here got five people to work as hard as you're willing to work to come here today, just got five, and then they each got a hundred people to write a letter to their representative. This thing had happened like that. They, you're, the members up here aren't going to really care what I say they're going to care what you say. So if you take yourself with five people multiplying that to five hundred and get letters coming in here supporting this, we'll pass it, and if we don't we won't. And so the real, wonderful, unique thing about our system is if we're willing to fight for freedom, we'll get it. If we're not willing to fight for it, we'll lose it. And the difference is you. You've all, I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. You all have already been here. You're here today in the most inclement weather, with ice on the roads and ice on the trees. You will make the difference. So I thank you for being here. God bless you. Let's go make a difference. Any questions for me that you want answered or that I can help you with? It was uh, Jimmy, Hog- Jimmy Higgin. J- Jimmy Higgin. And he agrees something needs to be done. Who, who'd you all go see? Um, senator Embry. Senator Embry. Broder. and what was the response? He's very positive. He actually went to the to Oh, he did. In that. But he's not interested in sponsoring the bill. Um, not. not right now. He, he's leaning uh, yeah. towards it. That's great. Great. Well, get me his get me his address. I'll write him a note. I'll tell him that you all visited and ask. I'll call on his patriotic uh, duty. Somebody has to lead in the Senate on this. What's your advice about Mr. Mitch McConnell in D.C. reaching into the state and telling people not to support this? he's obviously not a fan? Well, it, you have Mitch McConnell telling people not to and you have Rand Paul that supports it. You have uh, Ben Sass, Marco Rubio, Ron Johnson, uh, Ted Cruz, Jim DeMint, Tom Coburn. I'd say you got some pretty good conservative con- credentials of people who have actually acted on their beliefs in the Senate. And so Mitch McConnell's going to have a lot of power in this state. Is that a reason for you to give up your freedom? No. Is that a reason for us not to restore the Constitution to its meaning? I mean, you got the old bull Hal Rogers, chairman of a Or was chairman of the 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 committee, the Appropriation Committee. The games that were played on that are undeniably not equitable. So, you know what I what I would tell you to do is say, Mitch is our representative in Washington. He's working under a system that we think ought to be restored to what it was originally intended to do. I mean, ask yourself this question: What is Mitch McConnell doing to fix Medicare? What is Mitch McConnell doing to fix Social Security? What's Mitch McConnell doing to decrease the reach of the federal government and telling you how you have to live your lives in Kentucky? Nothing. So is he getting some good judges passed? Yes. Is he a leader? Yes. But remember, remember, all these people you will see today took an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution. In their swearing-in, they took an oath to uphold it. And it's not the 80-pound, the 10,000-page annotated Constitution. It's the original Constitution. And so challenge them on that. Why won't you help us restore the Commerce Clause so that you actually have more power today? What you're supposed to have in terms of a federalist system. You, th- there was one case in Ohio. It's called the Filburn case. During 1931, they had wheat allotments during the Depression. And Filburn, on his farm, planted 18 acres more wheat than was his allotment. He didn't sell any of it. He used it to feed his family. He used it for seed for the next year. And he used it for bread and also to pe- feed his pigs. All right didn't sell any of it. The Supreme Court said because you did that, that's interstate commerce. Because you made more, you, wouldn't have, you would have had to have bought it in interstate commerce. So therefore, that's interstate commerce. It's the craziest ruling in the world. That's the ruling that lets the Department of Education tell your schools what they have to do. That's the ruling that the Forest Service tells your state what to do with your forest. That's the ruling that gives EPA the power to come in and tell you what to do with your coal mines and your power plants. That's the rule that decides almost everything. Now, getting ready to tell you how your elections are going to be run. So to restore the Commerce Clause back to what it was intended, get restore the power back to your state, where you actually can meet with your representatives, you can influence those decisions, you can't. How many of you have ever gotten into a meeting with Mitch McConnell in Washington? <laughs> how many well, here's the point. The point is, is all those decisions are being made at a concentrated level when they should have been being made at the state levels, where you can have influence. So it can be our decisions. Think about the divide in our country today. The divide in our country isn't because we don't like people. It's because people are making decisions for us that we think we should be making. It's a, the whole question about Article 5 Convention of States is who decides? Who gets to decide? Some unelected bureaucrat? that was never elected to any office, or your state legislature where you can actually have an influence. So it's, the, and it's, it's not partisan. People who are progressives think they ought to be able to decide too. So now that Donald Trump's there, they're much more open to talking with us about an Article 5 convention that restores the rights back in terms of federalism, restores the balance of power between the three branches of the federal government. So we can solve it. You are the, going to be the ones that do it. The difficulty, what I've, in my own experience, average meek, <laughs> yeah. is uh, awakening them to the reasons that we were already in the world. Because now everybody's grown up under a new... Let me give you an example. 1963, the Johnson administration passed the War on Poverty. From 1963 to 2017, we spent $30 trillion on the War on Poverty. The percentage of people who are in poverty in our United States today are 14.8%. It was 13.2% when they started it. Here's the other thing, Is, is the percentage of fathers in homes has markedly declined since our welfare programs have said if there's no father in the home you get extra benefits so just think about what we've done these are not people that are trying to do bad they're well intentioned but when you create dependency you put people under tyranny you limit their potential and so what we ought to be doing you know you talk about You know, most of the people who are today out working can't get their head up long enough to find out to help us because they're busy trying to get to pay the rent and get the food on the table. That's why it's so important that you go get those that can help us. Go get homeschoolers, they can help us. Go get uh, people who are in between college and high school, help us. Go get people who are just out of college who haven't found a job yet who actually want to have a future and don't want to have to pay that 30000 bucks a year. Get them to help us and get seniors to help us. Seniors are the most important thing. I ask this question on every senior I sit next to on an airplane. If tomorrow somebody asked you to give up 10% of your Medicare and Social Security so your grandkids wouldn't live in poverty, would you do it? I have never been told no. And it doesn't matter if they were very wealthy or they were very poor. They're all willing because we are willing to sacrifice for our grandkids. I did I did a lot for my kids. There isn't anything I won't do for my grandkids. You know, I mean, you know, I want to spoil them. I want to help them. And, And so the 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 fact is is that's what we need to be thinking about is this generational theft that has been created by this ballooning leviathan called the federal government that's not responsive to us. It's responsive to the bureaucracy. We can fix it. I don't want you to get discouraged because of this crowd today. The fact that you're here, I'm excited. Because in Oklahoma, if this had happened, they'd have stayed home. You didn't stay home. So thank you. God bless you. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com pod. Thank you for listening.